Amen. You may be seated. And y'all are singing so good today. Y'all sound great. How many of, i just kind of curious, how many of you um, sing in the shower? Uh, it's kind of personal, okay? How many of you in your car when you're riding down the road and it's just you? Yeah. Aren't you the best singer in the world when you're doing that? It is amazing. And then, but when somebody's with you, it shuts the concert down, doesn't it? Every time. Yep. Hey, I, um, I love to travel, especially when it's like a vacation trip, like a fun trip, not a work trip, but a fun trip. And um, I, I would be willing to bet that most people in this room have gone on a vacation or traveled somewhere. I'm, I'm just kind of curious, how many have traveled internationally, I mean, outside of the United States? Okay, wow, lots of people. Like 20 years ago, like nobody ever went out of the U.S., but now the world is so small because of the Internet. My, my three favorite places to go in the world, in this order, number three is Las Vegas. And um, I know you're like, you're a pastor. Well, this is second chance. Um, and... <laughs> The reason, the reason, though, listen to me, the reason I love to go to Vegas is I love the food, I love the shows, and I love to play craps, all right? I, I really do. Um, I, I do. I do. I've never lost one dollar. Never lost one dollar. Lost a couple hundred, but never lost a dollar. <laughs> My second favorite place to go in the world is London. Um, I love London. It's just, uh, it's just fun. It's peaceful for me. And hands down, number one, my favorite place to go in the world is Israel. I love Israel. It's beautiful. It's awesome. The food is great. I love, I love to travel. And and people in the, and now when I say vacation, I mean vacation. Like some of you are like, oh yeah, you know, my, me and all my family, we get a camper and there's 17 people in a two-room camp. That's not a vacation, all right? I'm talking about fun vacation. And it's really fun to go somewhere and kind of enjoy and relax or whatever, but the greatest part of traveling for me has always, and for some of you, it's always been coming back home. Yeah. Now, for some people are like, no, I don't want to come back home. But no, I like home. I like my bed. I like my shower. I like my routine. If you're a man, you like your reading material in your bathroom, right? You've been reading that Jeff Foxworthy redneck book for like 17 years. You've got all those jokes memorized. Like, I love my place. But just like we physically travel, all of us in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what's going on in your life, all of us are on a spiritual journey as well. Everybody's on a spiritual journey. And you're in one of three places. All of us are in one of three places. Um, the first place that you could be is you're walking towards God. Meaning, you're, you're not a Christian yet, but you're not completely opposed to Christianity. Um, you, you, there's some things about Jesus that uh, I don't quite understand, or maybe some things about the Bible that confuse you. By the way, I've been reading it for 30 years. There's still things about the Bible that confuses me, so welcome to the crowd. Um, there's things about um, maybe another Christian that you're like, oh, it's kind of caused you to question. But at the end of the day, you would say that you're not anti-God, that you're actually walking towards God. And there's some people in this room, you're walking with God. Now, when I say walking with God, it doesn't mean that anybody's perfect. None of us in this room are perfect. None, not like when, like we, sometimes we tell people that, like when we're talking about somebody else, hey, no, I know I'm not perfect, but. Um, and it, you didn't have to inform the person because they already know that you're not perfect. None of us in this room, but we're walking with God, meaning that every day we're going to wake up and we're going to give it our best shot. Sometimes we do good. Sometimes we screw up. But you know what we got tomorrow? another opportunity. And there are some people in this room that you're actually walking, we are actually walking with God. And then there are some, there are some on a journey that you're walking away from God. 
and you've got your reasons. And you've got your story. And I'm going to be really honest with you. If, if I were to give you the microphone and let you come up here and tell your story, nobody would be mad at you. In fact, we would probably all say, you know what? If we went through what you went through, we, we might walk away too. So today's message is really for the people that for whatever reason, and I'm not here to judge, whatever reason, you've chosen to walk away from God. The good news is, the good news is, no, no matter how far you've gone, or no matter what you've done, you can always come back home. And we're going to talk about that. And that's not, that's not for me. That's from this guy named Jesus. Now, Jesus was telling a story. Um, and the story's got two parts. If you, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Luke 15. And today is part one. Next week is part two. And part two is the story, part of the story that most people never hear when we talk about this story. But Jesus begins to tell a story in Luke chapter 15. He's told a couple up until this point, And then he tells a story. Even if you're not from a church background, you've probably at least heard a reference to the prodigal son. So Jesus says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. He continued what? Telling stories. There was a man who had two sons. Now, we always talk about the prodigal son, but we never talk about the other son. I'm telling you, the other son is jacked up just like the first son, the, the son we're going to talk about today. You don't want to miss next week, all right? Um, verse 12, the Bible says this. The younger one said to, the, to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. I want to pause real quick to say, in Jewish society, when the dad died, the inheritance went to the children. Now, don't miss this because this is huge for next week. The older son always got double what the other sons got. The, the older son always got the double portion, the, the oldest child, right? Because the oldest child is the perfect child. If you're the oldest child, you know this, all right? So, father, give me, but this is the youngest son. He's going, give me my share of the estate. Typically, you didn't get the, um, the share of the estate until the father died. So this is the youngest son coming to the dad going, basically, dad, I wish you were dead. Let's pretend you're dead. Give me your stuff. Which you can already tell there's some issues, there's some tension in the home, right? So he, so he divided the, his property between them. The father was like, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you can get. The Bible says not long after that, so not immediately, but not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, which, by the way, all he had was what the father had given him, all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, one of the things that I think that the church has done really well, almost too well, is we've pointed at people and said, look at what they're doing wrong, look at what they're doing wrong, look at, isn't it easy to point out what other people are doing wrong? Oh, you didn't do that right, you didn't do that right, you didn't do that right. But I think the question that we've not asked is, why did they do it? Not, not pointing out what they did wrong, but actually stopping to ask the question, why? And I was thinking about why did the young, like why would the youngest son walk away from the house? Why do people walk away from God? Let me give you three options. The first option is conflict. You ever, you ever got in an argument with somebody? 
that one honest person in the room. Everybody else looking at me like I, yeah, on the way to church. I got an argument. I got an argument just just the other day. I'm sick of this argument. I'm going to settle it right now, and and this is truth because I have a microphone. Um, LeBron is not as good as Michael Jordan. I mean, M- Michael Jordan. Yeah. Now, if you're not clapping, it's because you never saw MJ play. But but that's it's a conflict that that's legit, right? People are arguing over this, and conflict. If you ever get in a, if you're ever hanging out with a group and you're kind of talking, and you get in an argument with somebody, the next time you're around them, isn't it a little bit more tense? Isn't it like, oh, hey, there's that, there's that person. Or you see them in the grocery store. Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever hidden in a grocery store? Anybody ever done that? Come on, you're in Target, and you're like, oh, God, look at these. Those are men's underwear, and you're a woman. I know, but, like, they're fascinating, right? Conflict makes us do some weird things. And maybe, maybe the younger son had some conflict with the father. Maybe the younger son had some conflict with the older brother. Here's what I know. Conflict will drive us from the house of the father. And some people in this room, you've got a conflict story when it comes to church. You got hurt. You got wounded. You got beat up. And hey, listen, I get it. If anybody understands a conflict in the church and getting beat up, I, I'm with you, okay? But it's not a reason to stay away from home. Because the church, the church, every church, this church is full of imperfect people, and imperfect people have an amazing track record of being able to hurt other imperfect people. So if you've got a bad church story, I get it, I understand, but it's not a reason to stay away from the Father because that's not his heart for us. And by the way, by the way, let me just kind of pause. There are some people, they've got 17 stories about how churches have hurt them. If you've got 17 stories about how churches have hurt you, you're the common denominator in that story. Maybe it's not them, maybe it's you. Just wanted to throw that out there. I ain't judging, I'm just saying. All right, here we go. Second thing is confusion. And confusion, confusion causes us to do weird things, right? Like, for example, my dad, my dad was a great man who, by the way, walked, walked away from God and walked away from the house of God because of conflict. He never, he, he walked away for like 20 years and didn't come back um, until I started my last church. And the reason he walked away is because the pastor, we went to a really small independent Baptist church, and the pastor one night from the stage called my dad a liar. And when we got home, my dad called the pastor. And I didn't know that that much profanity could be used in one conversation, but my father told him where to go and what to do when he got there and what he felt. I mean, like, it was, and my dad walked away. So (laughs) after my dad walked away... To say he got kind of wild would be, would be I, I can't even think of a good metaphor right now. He got wild, and, and my, there was always a party going on in my house. And one fourth of July, we went to the fireworks stand. And when you go to the fireworks stand with somebody that's drunk, you're always going to buy way more fireworks than you need. Um, and because in the South, rednecks love to blow stuff up. And so we brought all this stuff back, and my dad didn't even know what half, what half of this stuff did. So I never will forget 
he, he, he pulled out a Roman candle, and he had never seen a Roman candle. He was like, I don't know what this does. And it said, light fuse. So he's lighting the fuse, and it started making this noise. And my dad said, son of a, I won't finish it. And he <laughs> threw it up in the air. Well, then this Roman candle starts shooting balls of fire everywhere. Grandma fell down. Garden caught on fire. It was amazing. I'm not making any of that up. That really happened. Like, like y'all think Duck Dynasty is fascinating? They had nothing on the noble house, all right? But he did it because he was confused. And some people walk away from the house because they get confused. They can, maybe, the, maybe the son was confused about his relationship with the father. Maybe he was confused about his relationship with the older brother. We get confused in the church because we hear ridiculous statements like this. People that love Jesus don't struggle with sin. R- really? Oh, because when I read my Bible, David was a man after God's own heart when he wasn't in bed with Bathsheba. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying, and in fact, I would say this. If you're not struggling with sin, you probably don't love Jesus. Because if you're you're not in love with Jesus, you're like, hey, I'm I'm all good with sin. But the church, I think, says statements sometimes that cause us to be confused. Well, I don't love Jesus, and I'm struggling with sin. I don't love Jesus, but, oh, my gosh, I think I love Jesus, and we, we just get confused, and we just kind of walk away. The third, the third thing, the third reason that the younger son could have walked away is because he was hurt. And sometimes we walk away from God because we get hurt. You know, what's interesting about this story, and I've read it for about 30 years now, I didn't notice this until this week when I was reading it. The mother's never mentioned in the story. Maybe she died. And if you're here, if you're here, and you've ever lost someone, like, like, like I've, I lost my mother at, at, at 11. You've lost someone close to you? I don't care what Bible verse somebody quoted to you. I don't care what Christian phrase they tried to say to you. In that moment, and maybe until this day, it still hurts. Maybe you lost a friend or a family member, and your thought is, God, how could you let this happen to me? Maybe you had something horrible happen to you in your past. And your question is, God, how in the world could you let that happen and you know what you didn't get an answer I've never gotten my answer as to why I was molested when I was six years old never gotten an answer as to why my mother passed away when I was 11 and all the Christian cliches and the phrases don't make it better in fact they make it worse there's some people in this room today watch it online, you have legitimate hurt. And I wish there was a phrase that could take it away. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's what drives some people away from God. And if that's you, I'm not here to point fingers at you. I'm here to say I understand. I understand. I get it. So the younger son, he goes away. And the Bible says after he had spent everything, by the way, when you walk away from God, eventually it'll just cost you everything. 
I'm not talking about like monetarily. I'm just talking about you emotionally, spiritually, you'll just get spent. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs, which in Jewish culture and Jewish society, that was the bottom of the barrel. That was as low as you could go. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, so at first, it's all good. But eventually, it, it reminds me back in, God, I think it was in 11th or 12th grade. So it was back when the dinosaurs were on the earth, for some of y'all. Um, my friend called me. And he said, hey, man, you got to come over. It's Christmas. He said, me and Russell, Russell was a little brother, me and Russell got skateboards. And um, I was like, awesome. Now, I didn't, I'd never ridden a skateboard, but some of you remember in the late 80s, the big fat skateboards came out because they used to be just like really skinny. But then they kind of got fat and like everybody was skateboarder for like five minutes. And so we went over to his house. This is, I'm not making this up. And he was like, let's ride down this hill because there's this big, huge hill in front of his house that went out into a four-lane highway. But... Yeah, I, you can't, you, this is beautiful. Um, I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So let's race. And I knew I would win because I was way heavier than him. And so I got on my skateboard. He got on his skateboard. And we start going down the hill. Now, I'm going to tell you, for about 15 seconds, it was a rush. Have you ever kind of felt that rush? It's kind of cool. It's kind of awesome. And I'm on the skateboard. And I'm getting closer to the road. And I had this thought. Where are the brakes? Because I literally thought there's got to be brakes on this. And I'm coming closer to the road. I'm like, there are no brakes. And he's screaming at me, Perry, stop. Perry, stop. And I'm like, I don't know how. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do. I dove. Now, when I dove, I dove onto asphalt. Does anybody want to know what I did for the rest of the day? Picked rocks out of my asphalt. All right. So, I mean, you got it. You're with me, right? So it was going really good for a little while, but at the end, it was painful. And I'm here to tell you, listen, listen, listen. If you walk away from God, everybody goes, oh, as soon as you walk away from God, it gets bad. No, it don't. No, it don't. But in time, you get empty. And in time, you wind up in a place that you thought you would never be, and you start scratching your head going, how in the world did I get here? Oh, I understand. About three or four years ago, according to some people, I was at the top of my game. Book deals, conferences, pastoring one of the largest churches in the United States, and then in July of 2016, I find myself in a treatment center in Arizona, and I've lost everything. How's that happen? Well, it happens gradually. It happens over time, and it can happen to anybody. So when I say there is no judgment. There's no judgment. 
I understand because some people here today are watching online are saying, how in the world did I get here? So this next verse is huge. Let me tell you why it's huge. Because there, there's a key in it that just makes, let me just show you. Verse 17. When he came to his senses. Stop. He's in the pig pen. He's wanting to eat pig food. And the Bible says he came to his senses. Now, just I just want to make an observation. Was he by himself when he came to his senses? Yes or no? It's not a trick question. Yes. This was something that he realized on his own. Nobody was standing outside the pig pen going, how's it feel now that you walked away from God? Nobody was standing outside the pig pen hurling Bible verses at him. Nobody was standing outside the pig pen nagging him. Listen to me. No one has ever nagged someone else to come back home. No one has ever judged so much, someone so much that they came back home. If somebody is walking away from God, the best thing that we can do for that person is pray that that person will come to their senses instead of trying to judge them into the way we see things. See, at the end of the day, he hit rock bottom, and the Bible says he came to his senses. This is why, and, and, and I just want to explain this, and I'll explain this about once a month. People will call me and say, my brother, my sister, my son, my, my father is an addict. Will you talk to them? And I always say, me talking to them will not do them any good. You know why? Because if they're not willing to come to their senses, I won't pull them in. I'll drive them away. People have to come to a realization, this is not where I want to be in life. You know what? That's what happened to me. I realized after sitting in treatment, I remember saying, you know what? This is not the ultimate destination of my life. I have fallen down and I have fallen on my face, but I don't have to stay in this pig pen anymore. And I don't say that. I don't say that so you'll think highly of me. I say that to tell you when you come to your senses that God has more for me than this, that God has a greater plan for me than this, that I don't have to live this way anymore, that's when stuff starts to happen. Right. He said, I, he, came, he came to his senses and said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death? It's a great question. He said, the servants in my father's house have it better than I have. So scripture goes on to say, Jesus keeps going on, he tells the story. He said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to my father, say to him, Father, this is your fault. Nope. See, he came to his senses and then he owned his problem. He owned it. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. That right there is, do you know how much pride he had to swallow in order to make this move? But he's like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell dad I was wrong. 
and he don't don't miss this he he didn't feel qualified to be a son anymore he says to just make me a servant in other words i know i can never have what i once had but at least let me just kind of serve in the house this next verse this next verse is this is special to me in fact this is why we have this verse hanging in our lobby because this is my story Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. You know why the father saw him? Because he's watching for him. He knew he was coming back home. See, his son might have given up on the father, but the father never gave up on the son. You might have given up on God, but God hasn't given up on you. He still believes in you. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with judgment. That's what the Bible says. He was filled with condemnation. No, no, no. The father was filled with compassion. Compassion for him. He ran to his son. There's a reason he ran to his son, because according to Jewish law, the son should have been stoned to death, should have been killed for dishonoring the father. And so the father ran to the son so he could get to the son and throw his arms around him so he was communicating to the world, any stone you want to throw at my son, I will take the punishment, which is exactly what our heavenly father did for us. Ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Mess and all. This is, this is mind-blowing. And I know what you think. I know what you think because I thought this for years. This verse is great for other people. I don't think it applies to me. But you know, you know, I think God uses lots of things to get our attention and teach us things. For example, dogs. I've got a dog. Do you know how much God is teaching me through this dog? I haven't got the patience thing down yet. Y'all pray for Chance. He don't know if his name is Chance or damn it. But um, <laughs> that's true. Some of y'all like that. My dog thinks that's his name too. I know. We should. <laughs> but I, I, bought, I bought Chance. And, and I just got to be honest with you. Before I bought Chance, if you had a dog and you loved your dog, I thought that was weird. But isn't it amazing if you got a dog? Isn't it amazing how quickly we get attached to these things? Like I bought Chance and like two or three days later, somebody called me and said, can you, can you, you want to go? I'm like, no, nah, man. I, I don't have anybody to take care of my dog. It's a dog leaving. I mean, this is not just a dog. <laughs> this is my son. <laughs> I'm that guy now. And so, and so you get the dog, right? And you kind of, and, and they don't tell you all this stuff when you get the dog, but then you got to take the dog to the vet. And so I took the dog to the vet. I took Chance to the vet. And they're like, oh, 
he's so cute. And the vet comes in, fills his ears and his paws and all that other stuff. And, and they're like, we got to take a, we got to take a stool sample. And I'm like, for me? I, I mean, no, 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 the dog. I was like, okay. I just didn't know what I had to do with anything. I kind of freaked out. I'm like, you can keep the dog. But anyway, they take Chance out, and I'm sitting there for a few minutes. I'm like, wait for it, wait for it. Ow! Yep, that was it. And they brought him back in. I was like, I would be upset too, buddy. Um, and I took Chance home. They're like, he looks healthy. Everything's fine. But the next day, next day, weird number pops up on my phone. And if I don't know the number, I don't answer. So I didn't answer. And, and then I checked the voicemail. It was a vet. And they said, your dog. Um, they said, first of all, super glad we met Chance. Um, but he has a parasite. And you're going to have to you know, bring him back up, or we're going to have to do this medicine thing. Uh, it's not serious, but, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I immediately call him. I'm like, I can be there in, like, five minutes. And I, I drove, I might have cut on the hazards, um, but I drove Chance, you know, uh, because you, you love this dog, right? And so we get him, we get him medicated, we bring him home. He's kind of like, I think I've been there. Um, and we kind of, I get him up on the couch. That was totally unplanned. <laughs> but we get him, I get him on the couch, you know, and he's kind of sitting there. And he's kind of got this sad face, and I'm kind of looking at him. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And all of a sudden, this, he, I, I never forget this. He looks at me, and he's got those big, huge eyes, and he goes, ooh. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa, hey, no, no, I think, oh, no. And all of a sudden, it's just <laughs> all over me. Now, this is a dog, but I love this dog, right? So I didn't make me mad. I didn't, like, spike the dog. I wasn't like, ah! No, I, I was, I, like, felt sorry for him. I was like, it's okay, buddy, it's okay. I got up and I got a lot, of, I got tons of stain remover stuff, and I'm, like, stain removing stuff, and I'm, you know, I threw him in the washer. He was fine. I didn't, I was just kidding. <laughs> Um, but, but I cleaned him up, I cleaned the mess up, I cleaned everything up. And most people in this room are like, oh yeah, that's what you would do for it. I mean, he was sick, he couldn't help it, he was sick and he got sick and you cleaned him up. Now, why would you find it non-fascinating that I would do that for a dog, but, but then we wouldn't think that our Heavenly Father would do that for us? Yeah. It makes sense, Perry, that you would do that for a dog, but I don't think God will do that for me. Oh, my gosh. You're so wrong. All the younger son had to do was walk home. That's all he had to do. As soon as he got there, he was accepted by his father. In fact, the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's, he's starting into a speech, and the father interrupts him and won't even, let him, won't even let him finish. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. In other words, you, you think you're a servant? You're still my son. You are still my child. He didn't have to step back into a servant. He, st he stepped back in as a child. He's quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger 
and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Why did they celebrate? Because the child came back home. What I want to tell everybody in this room, everybody watching online, everybody listening to the podcast, is that no one is too far gone that they cannot come home. And listen, listen, listen. I'll close with this. This isn't a theory for me. This is my story. Most of you know what happened to me. And, and, and people have asked questions, and I'm very willing to talk about it. But my coming home moment was four days into treatment. Four days. Because, I mean, it's, if you've ever been, it's, it's not the most, um, it's very humbling to get strip searched and then watch them go through all your clothing, get all kind of tests. And, anyway, I mean, it was, I, I just couldn't believe I was there. And four days in, I hit rock bottom. And when I say rock bottom, I want you to listen to me. It's voluntary treatment. You can check out at any time. And my plan was to check out, fly back to Atlanta, drive to Anderson, and take my own life. That was my plan. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I felt alone. There was nothing to live for in that moment, in that moment. But right before I checked out of the clinic, I thought, you know what, I need to go on one more walk because they had this little track and you could see the mountains. It's beautiful. Love you. Love you. Listen, 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 it's, it's, won't you listen? looking at those mountains God spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard his voice he said I'm not finished with you yet that was my coming home moment that was the moment I decided you know what that's I'm not going to follow through with that plan I'm going to follow through with God's plan and I'm messy and there's a journey 
but I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it right. You know what? I'm not there yet. I'm still fighting through it. But if God's not finished with me, then he's not finished with you. He still, he still has a plan for your life. So I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've walked away. The heart of the Father today is, so, is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can come back home. It's Jesus right now, I want to pray. Um, for everyone here, God, for, for those that feel so distant from you. God, for those that feel that they're, they're in that, that place, that pig pen, the place they thought they would never be. Father, I pray that today that they would realize, God, through the scriptures and through the stories, God, that it's not too late. God, we can come back home. Like we sang, God, that we were never forsaken, not for one single minute. So right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're that person, you, you, you walked away from God or you're walking away from God, and today you just want to make that turn and you want to come back home. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. But today I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, if that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just to stand up right where you are say, you know what, today's the day. I don't want to live this way anymore. Today's the day I want to come back home. Just stand to your feet right now. Right now. If you're in Sweetwater, you just stand to your feet right now. There are people standing, and so I just want you to stand. I want you to feel the freedom. Listen, if I can get on stage and share my story, nobody in this room should hang your head. You have walked away, and today's the day you want to make that turn to come back home. You stand up right now, because I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Listen, I, I just want you right now to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If he's speaking to your heart, I just want you to stand. Anybody else in the room? People standing, man, so great. If you're standing, I just want you to look at me. I just want you to look at me. God's not finished with you yet. 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 God's not finished with you. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with you. He still has a plan for your life. It's still greater than anything that you can imagine. 
there is still a purpose for you to be on this planet. So I want to say thank you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that is standing. God, thank you for giving them the courage to stand. And Father, right now, I pray that you would fill them with hope. God, that they would know that you are full of compassion and not condemnation for them. That they would know that in you there is a hope and there is a future. And God, because we're not dead, you're not done. You can be seated with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today, maybe you're one of those people that always walk towards Christ and you always kind of question his love. And today you realize, I want to be, I want to be in a relationship with a father like that. And you just pray right where you sit. Just pray this real simple prayer, Jesus Christ. Right now, I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. I received that payment into my life. With head still bowed and eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer, would you put your hand up in the air and just say, I just asked Jesus to come into my life? Amen. Anybody else? If you're online, you can hit the hand raise thing. If you're on Facebook, you can raise a hand. Praise God. Y'all stand with me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over these next few moments that you'll just continue to move so powerfully. Thank you for what you're doing in our church, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Well, heads still bowed and eyes still closed. If you're here today and you something hits you in the message, you feel like you need someone to pray with you or for you, then I want you to step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors right now. And I want you to go right now, right now. If you stood and you feel like you, you need someone to talk to about why you stood, I want you to, I just want you to go. I just want you to go. Just step out of your aisle and go right now. There are people moving, and so I just want you to feel that freedom. If you feel like you need someone to pray with you or for you, that's why we're here. I want you to step out of your aisle and go right now. Just step out of your aisle and go. If you're here and you need someone to pray with you or for you, I want you to go right now. Father, thank you so much for what you are doing. Thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you so much for what you're going to do. Thank you so much that you fill us with hope. Thank you so much that there is, God, there is still hope for every single person in this room, every person watching online. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Hey, next week, next week, we're going to do part two of this story. You're not going to want to miss it. Love you guys. Have a great week. God bless.